Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out July 4th, 2018. I'm Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And Tucker. Wearing a Captain America skin-tight bodysuit. I was going to say, bro, <laughs> that is intense. Yeah. It is 95 degrees, and you are wearing skin-tight, what is that, lycra? Yeah. Is that a, a, a some sort of I, synthetic? I can't emphasize this enough that... You know, I am incredibly hot. I'm overheating. I'm I'm just so close to passing out at my desk. But I will do it for the good old red, white, and blue. Yeah, the, the shred, white, and blue. The shred, white, and blue. Yeah, uh, you shred, are. Shred, white, and blue. <laughs> Skateboard on July 4th. Oh, I hope you will be. <laughs> uh, you look star-spangled, spectacular. Uh, I am I'm just enjoying life, you know, yeah. trying to stay out of the heat. Oh, boy. It's, it's a scorcher this really week. It really is. But we hope you guys are excited because we got a ton of comics to get through this week. We're going to run down all the new comics out. That's the print issues, the digitals. We got two digital exclusives Mm -hmm. coming out this week, plus collections and all that good stuff. Let's dive right into the mix with Ant-Man and the Wasp number three. Now, we are here with this new issue by Mark Wade, Javier Garon, Israel Silva, and Joe Caramagna. Again... I can't emphasize enough how spectacular this art team is. It has been, I don't want to say necessarily a revelation because I know Javier and Israel just wipe the floor with every page that comes out. And they're like, you, Paige, I'm going to take you down. (laughs) And they beat it up and draw all kinds of cool stuff. Here we are in the microverse in one of the many levels of the microverse and Nadia has been captured by this, I don't want to call, you can't call them alien race, but this microversian right. race yeah. uh, who are, they don't understand her. They think she's, you know, an alien intruder. They're, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. There's this one scientist dude who's like, I'm a scientist. That's my microverse voice. <laughs> and, you know, you've got Scott Lang and he's like, I don't know what to do. I'm kind of somewhat smart. Question yeah. mark. Yeah. Uh, Nadia is the brains of the operation. So they're trying to figure out what to do. He comes upon a clever thing to use his Ant-Man helmet to talk to the microversian ants. But they're not actually ants. They might be kind of insectoid. The first ones he meets, they're just like, nah, son, we don't, we're not talking to you. <laughs> but then the second ones, they're like, why do I feel compelled to follow you? Yeah. Of course, because of the translators, they can talk to each other. Great moments of funny weirdness in this book. It is, this is just a fun adventure comic, plain and simple, and that's why I love it so much. You know, there's Scott at one point pretending to be a god to the quantum realm creatures who respond to his talking ant abilities, or one of the creatures wearing Nadia's suit and flying around, Nadia going full quantum level. There's just a joy to this comic that I really appreciate. There's tension, action, and adventure, but the last page seems very, very bad. For folks in this issue, we will see. This does have one of my favorite panels of the week. It's when Scott is communicating with the ants. He's thinking about how to get out of uh, the pickle that he's in, but it's a favorite because Javier draws the panel with a beautiful border. It's leafy. It's got this classic artistic style to it. It's just so cool. It goes above and beyond in just a simple panel, but he takes it so much further than he has any need to. I mean, that book is just like action Unlike any other book out right now, just because it's it's in the microverse, it's something so different. There is some wild, chaotic action. Similarly, in Astonishing X-Men number 13, this is the first issue of a brand new era. That's right, folks. Matt Rosenberg has jumped aboard alongside Greg Land with inker Jay Leistein, colorist Frank D'Armada, and letter 
Clayton Cowles. This is the start of a bunch of new stuff for the Astonishing X-Men. Matt Rosenberg has done so much and so much incredible work over recent months and years with Marvel. And this feels like, uh, you know, maybe his biggest assignment yet. And it is a really, really cool start. You know, one of my favorite elements of any Matt Rosenberg book is the dialogue, and he really digs into it here. There is a lot of dialogue, but it does the character's service in such a great way. I mean, you just know what a mega X-Men fan he is. I remember when you guys announced it on This Week in Marvel, you spoke about that at length and so much else and what he was inspired by for this series. You can really feel it in so many different ways. He kind of goes on a tour of the different characters and where they are, the different characters that are going to be involved in his team, and... They're all pretty in their own little corners uh, of the world at the moment, doing their own things. But, of course, there's going to be a force that brings them together. It is a pretty classic X-Men baddie that has made an entrance. And what is super cool and what was really unexpected for me with this was X-Men Extermination, written by Ed Brisson, is coming sooner and sooner. And there were really interesting little droplets dropped in here uh, that relate to that story. But it's all part of this cohesive whole and the Astonishing X-Men. Charles Soule did such an incredible job. I loved his 12-issue run so much. And uh, Matt Rosenberg is hitting the ground running with this. Yeah, you know, Charles's run was was big, right? It was like big villains, big giant story, big swings, trying to establish this like, big crazy X-Men tale over 12 issues. And this not saying it's not a, a big story, but it's a more personal story. Mm-hmm. It's more, you know, like this redemptive path for havoc that we're looking at, especially in this issue. It's a lot of humor, deep X-Men connections. And I think that it really speaks to what Matt does so well. He, he's going to hit the big superhero moments, but those, like you're saying, the dialogue mm-hmm. and, and those interpersonal relationship bits, like just the, the conversation between Havoc and Beast in this issue. You're just like, I get it. Yeah. This is this is what I'm here for. I'm into it. On to Avengers number four, which is written by Jason Aaron with art by Paco Medina, Ed McGinnis, Juan Velasco, Mark Morales, and David Curiel with letters by Corey Petit. Oh, man. There's so much death in this issue. It's <laughs> like death everywhere. It's like Grandpa Simpson. Death! It's a big week for death. Yeah. Uh, in comics. Yeah. There's a lot of it going down. Sure is. <laughs> We're going to get to more of that, but there's dead celestials, dead eternals, potential death of everything at the hands of the final host, but also it's got smooching. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't discount that. One of my favorite smooches in recent memory. Yeah. Very uh, unexpected. Very great. Very great. Jason and the crew are just, they're all in on reforging the history of superhumanity with this big celestial story, which I think is a really... Neat thing. We get a lot of those bits and pieces in this that could have big, you know, repercussions in the way we rethink the history of the Marvel Universe, which is is awesome. And letting, you know, this team who's incredible run with it is so much fun. If you want more Eternals and Celestials, again, I remind you, read the original Jack Kirby Eternal story. It's super neat. And the Gaiman, Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. Eternal story from the mid-2000s. It's, it's, it's cool. It's a rethinking of the Eternals, bringing them back into popular times, but they do not fare mm. very well in this issue. Next up, we have Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider. This is issue number 21, which is written by Peter David with art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Kane and Ben Riley are, they're forked. 
These dudes are forked. Oh, yeah, I see what you did. <laughs> and by that, I mean they are off going in different directions. They have kind of two parallel journeys that they're on. Ben is out, and he has to battle Sauron. Ryan, I immediately thought of you. What is your like comic book memories of this character? What does it make you think of? Um, it's weird. I I only think of Sauron as yes. you know the Dark Lord of Mord- Mordor. Yes, but I always say Sauron. That's just me. I can't get it out of my head. Anyway, so when uh, there was a story in in X-Force back in the day, it was New Mutants and then X-Force. Cannonball was one of the classic New Mutants. Cable came in and he was like, I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to turn you into a military unit. And like we were trying to figure out why Cable was so invested in these kids. And part of it was he was there to protect Cannonball because Cannonball was apparently an external, it's sort of eternal mutant, and he was trying to make sure he was trained and save him to be a like good force. And they go up against Sauron, and I can't remember who else might have been like cruel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Butts McGee and uh, uh, you know, relative of Frank McGee. We'll see you later, Frank. <laughs> Cannonball is having troubles with his his blast field, and when he blasts, it makes him nigh invulnerable. 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 And he's going, and Sauron stabs him through the chest because his blast field is going in and out. He's able to get through, and there's this moment in the book, everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Because this guy who's supposed to be like this big savior guy or special guy gets right right through by Sauron. Of course, he's fine, but I remember Sauron being like, what's up now? I'm a dinosaur (laughs) man. All right, well- (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I know that now. I feel like that, you know, that informs the history of this character because Ben goes up against him. He's such a just cool, like, visual villain. It feels like such old school comics. Just when you describe him to someone, just say he's a soul vampire dinosaur man who breathes fire and is also a dinosaur man. Yeah. The end. Greatest pitch for a character ever. Like, think pterodactyl, like, lifeguard pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah, like, sexy, <laughs> yeah. wears a loincloth, just spits hot fire, <laughs> is the best. Uh, so, okay, that's what Ben Riley's off doing. He's in the middle of a fight with with him. Kane is off looking for this, this little boy who has been taken by a mindless one and is now in downtown Las Vegas. I had such a fun time reading the previous issue where the mindless one took that little kid and all this chaos started kicking off. But we kind of jump between these two parallel stories throughout. And it's always really fun to see not just Ben is doing this crazy, you know, like monster fight. Kane is he's kind of in a little trickier of a situation because he has this little kid that he needs to make, you know, keep care of and but it's cool to see how they interact and take care of those things differently given their similarities given their differences this also has one of my favorite covers of the week which is by Kari randolph and amelia lopez just an awesome like monstery big monster cool yeah there's something to be said for just a cool superhero versus monster cover oh yeah and done well like in that one it's tremendous yeah you know tucker Mm. it would be safe to call you a yankee doodle dandy okay uh but you know who's not Captain America. Is he true. is the Star Spangled Avenger. We've got a new Captain America series this week. It is written by Tanahasi Coates Art, by Laniel Francis Yu, with inks by Jerry Allen Guilin, colors by Sonny Go, letters by Joe Caramagna. Very much a book that people have been waiting for, mm-hmm. excited for, hyped for, and this is a big one. It is Jamie's pick of the week. I will say one thing. We'll talk about it more on This Week of Marvel, but this does follow right on the heels of the free comic book day issue. So make sure you you check that out. I believe it's on the Marvel app. You can read that 
digitally for free if you didn't get a, a free print copy because you'll want to get some of the a little bit of backstory. Everything is laid out for you, but always it adds a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it, it tells you a little bit of what's happened right before this. Super cool. You've got Cap and Nukes. Cap mm. versus Nukes. Plural, which is terrifying. Uh, a cool character returns. Lots more. We will get to that aplenty on This Week in Marvel. Next up is another new number one. This is Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. And shocker, folks, it's my pick of the week. This is written by Donnie Cates with art by the incredible Dylan Burnett. Colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by Clayton Cowles. This continues the wild, weird, crazy cosmic journey of Frank castle millions of years in the future spun out of time and space a just direction that i think you know so many people were shocked by when uh, this character was revealed in donny cates's thanos run with jeff shaw on art such an incredible arc thanos wins and people loved this character and you wanted it you got it this is the start of his solo journey i just want to point out I love there's kind of a montage that tells the history of Frank Castle. And that's where we start this story. It works so perfectly just for me, having read Thanos wins and the Thanos annual and for someone who, you know, may not have and and is needs to be caught up on how Frank Castle got to be the cosmic ghostwriter, which is an insane journey. Yeah, those it's like three pages, Mm -hmm. 12 panels. And if you had some like awesome you know, like jam and rock song. Yes. You know, like you have that playing while you're seeing these snippets of his history. Ugh, you so can feel good. it. I mean, it, Donnie has spoken uh, on Twitter and in various other places about like what playlists he listens to. Mm. And you can just, when he's writing, and you can totally feel it when we see Soldier, Dead Family, War on Terror, Death, little cameo by Death. This is what I'm talking about earlier. Uh, Hell, Spirit of Vengeance, Madness, Devourer, Cosmic Power. Thanos, death, and death. This story begins right after the Cosmic Ghost Rider was killed for real. It's it's said after that and then after the events of the annual Mm -hmm. because the annual actually puts him in Valhalla. Right. So that's where we pick it up. In case you haven't read, I couldn't recommend Thanos once more. Cosmic Ghost Rider was killed by the Silver Surfer with Mjolnir. I mean, come on. On. It's a good uh, way to go. It's a pretty, pretty cool way to go. And uh, I take notes for each book that I read. This, I have like two lines of notes and that's it. Because quite simply, this is the most fun. It is just weird and wild and just epic. There is, uh, you know, Frank in Valhalla meets up with the Allfather who says like, an insanely badass line when he reveals the his ride to him, which just like gave me chills and made me laugh so hard. It's just so, so awesome. If you loved this character in Thanos Wins, if you're looking for something totally new and unlike anything else, this is the new series to go with. Uh, I'm loving it so, so much. Yeah, I believe Dylan is one of Donnie's frequent collaborators. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I love that Donnie's just like, I'm going to bring my friends along with me because they're amazing artists and I'm here. They should be here with me, like doing these cool stories. And they make Frank Castle and Cosmic Ghost Rider scary, yet sympathetic 
and sad and funny and, and a total monster. Another great cover on this one as well by Jeff Shaw and Antonio Fabella. I really just want to shout Jeff Shaw out at any opportunity I can because I cannot wait to see what Marvel work he does next. I thought his Thanos Wins work was incredible and I'm so excited anytime I get to look at a piece of his art. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, this has one of my favorite lines. It is uh, Frank Castle is in a bar fight in Valhalla and the guy is fighting. It's either the guy. I think it's the guy he's fighting. He says, who taught you to fight? Eh? And Castle goes, Thanos, the devil and the United States Marine Corps. And you just want to <laughs> knock down a building at that point. You're like, yeah! punch him in his throat. <laughs> really close to cursing right there. Would have been good. Would have worked out really well. Anyway, I do want to make sure we don't miss Cloak and Dagger number two, which is a digital exclusive release this week. It was written by Dennis Hopeless, art by David Messina, Elisabetta D'Amico, Giada Marchisio, letters by Travis Lanham. In this issue, we find out just more of this weird stuff going on between Ty and Tandy. And it's really like trust is very tough. It's a It's a tough thing to come by. It's hard to earn. Very easy to lose. This issue is about the secrets and the trust and the past. All that I dig, especially because their history of these two characters is just obviously so wrapped up in each other and full of so many opportunities for story because we've not seen a ton of their stories. You know, we've seen a number, but not the same extent of a Wolverine or a Deadpool. Like, we don't we don't have hundreds and hundreds of issues. So there's so much potential, and we're getting some of those, like, those backfill stories in a book like this. Uh, the dynamic is so fractured and painful for Ty and Tanny in this. It makes for really good comics. Also really good comics, Deadpool number two. Man, this is written by Scotty Young, art by Nick Klein, letters by Jeff Eckleberry. There's a sequence in a mall with Captain America in this book that legit made me laugh out loud. Scotty Young is one of at least two creators drawn into their own comics this week. He is drawn in here looking good with a bushy mustache and and beard. But Nick Klein is clearly having a blast with this book on art, just doing so so many cool things. He draws the violence in a very gory, almost Looney Tooney over-the-top way. There's a fight between Deadpool and the Avengers that's just gross it's gross but also funny you know there's vomit on such a scale in this issue the planet isn't prepared for all this vomit it's mm-hmm. like that song says y'all you're not ready for this vomit that's the song right yeah, yeah. <laughs> deadpool creators just have a weird thing with vomit yeah. i don't know what that's about yeah but i love this book i actually love this issue more than the first like the first established a bunch of things this one is like off and running lots of funny gags gorgeous art Tremendous. Talk about off and running. Oh, boy. Those are the first two words in my notes on this book. Oh, you're on Donnie duty this week. All caps. Oh, boy. Yeah, I am on Donnie duty. It is Donnie duty, death of the Inhumans, number one, written by Donnie Cates with art by Ariel Olivetti, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Well, I mean... He doesn't waste time on this one. The, the, the title is, of this book is not clever or a cute gimmick. Nope. This is the that is what you are getting yeah, in this book. I mean, I, like of course, you know, Donnie is not the one who is gonna, you know, give you all lights and and then no action. You know, he's going to bring it. He's going to bring the substance. He's going to bring what you're looking for. One of my first thoughts in reading this book, because I mean, it is it is very dark. It is a super intense. I mean, really meaningful and 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 powerful. 
but definitely dark story for the Inhumans who have had quite a dark history in many different ways. But one of my first thoughts when reading this is that Donnie is like made to write a Black Bolt story. And he captures the narration and the inner self of Black Bolt so, so, so well. We get a bit of a tour uh, across all of Inhumanity with him. And then we are introduced to what has to be a, a, one of my favorite new villains uh, in recent memory, Vox, who is this kind of crazy embodiment of death in so many different ways. He has a really, really interesting story that we're just getting the very, very tip of the iceberg on. But Vox, meaning voice in Latin, he is the antithesis, you could say, in many ways to Black Bolt and all of that Black Bolt and the royal family and the inhuman stand for. And like I said, I won't say anymore because Big, big spoilers in this one, but Donnie really hits the ground running with Vox. Yeah, this was nearly one of my picks. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a song by the Misfits called Death Comes Ripping, and it's like this awesome song, and it's just like, and, and so that song got stuck in my head here. Like every time Vox shows up, like, or the repercussions of his actions and appearances like that's the song that plays in my head. It's this awesome uh, driving punk song, um, but. This is an interesting one because the Cree over the last couple of years have sort of softened, right? You know, they are a giant empire, powerful, scary, intense. That's their history. They've warred with numerous other cultures and races and spacefaring, you know, uh, peoples. And they have often won. They are a tremendous force in the Marvel Universe. But over the last couple of years, they haven't been. They've been taken down. It's been like different pieces, different stories that have knocked them down. So we've seen their power wane. They've lost a bunch of battles. This is the Kree rebounding and fighting back in a way. At least it seems that way. And it's really intense. Big swings, big moves, big opening salvo here. Uh, Ariel Olivetti, such a tremendous choice for this. I would say anyone who hasn't read it yet, go read The Last Avenger Story. It is a story set in an alternate universe of the Avengers of the Future by Ariel and Peter David. It is dark and it is epic and it's really cool. Ariel's art is also that, but it also hits those small, quiet, personal moments so well. Yeah, I dug the crap out of this, even though I hated it. <laughs> I hate Donnie for what he's doing in this book. Yeah. I remember that the retreat, him talking about it. And I was just like, you... <laughs> Ooh, all right. It's a good one. Also, a good one is Doctor Strange, number three, written by Mark Wade, art by Jesus Saiz, letters by Joe Sabino. <sighs> Jesus. He yeah. is so good. My first line in my notes is just Jesus Saiz with like 10 eyes, just like, Argh! there's a single panel in this book of classic Thanos with a gauntlet, and it is gorgeous. So pretty. I mean, it's all incredible. But teamed up with Mark you get this cool take on the scrolls. It's interesting shapes and bodies, multiple arms and body types. And the theory behind why they look regularly humanoid when we see them on Earth and battling humans, we actually get a, an explanation for that in here, which I think it's smart and clever and very Mark Waity. And this is also an Infinity Wars tie-in. So we get the Time Stone and it's used in such fun ways, really interesting and clever. And of course, Steven does something that has to be done, but it's terrible and you want to hate him for it. This run is so different from Donnie's or Jason's, the ones that came before it, but I, I absolutely love it. Um, it is, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Next up is Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Lost, number three. This is written by Charles Soule with art by Matteo Buffagni. 
Colors by Jim Charlampitas and Letters by Josebino. It's really interesting. As we're starting to come to the falling actions of these various Hunt for Wolverine limited series, they're becoming even more defined in how they're approaching their different, you know, their different angles on this greater story about Logan and about his return. This series, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but this one in particular, Weapon Loss, makes me think so much of Wolverine The Long Night, uh, the podcast, because it has this definite detective vibe to it. It's Daredevil. It's Misty Knight. It is the aforementioned Frank McGee. And they're off in the wilds and trying to put together some clues, put together some pieces. It has this kind of noir vibe to it, but it is also, there's certainly a lot of danger present uh, and always kind of looming in the background. This one gets to a, a really cool villain. I really want to ask you about I don't want to. Po- I don't want to spoil I, the I, reveal. I won't. But uh, it's really, really interesting, and maybe we'll talk about it when number four comes out. Yeah. But it's a really, really cool little spin that happens. The the reveal brought me much joy because it's a character I have affection for, but it broke my heart with the dialogue that went along with it. And I really hope another writer, maybe a Matthew Rosenberg, picks up where this specific character in this issue leaves off. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love this trio as they go out together. They're up against it in a couple of different ways, not just in their just hunt for Wolverine, but in a couple of other different ways. And uh, I just think it all fits together so, so perfectly. And of course it does. It's written by the incredible Charles Soule, who will be bringing Wolverine back when he finally does return. But uh, these Hunt for Wolverine stories continue to impress and continue to be super distinct and super, super fun to read. And uh, Smooch Alert, that book has a little bit of smooch in it. Yeah, more smooch. More smooch. No smoochin' in our next book, which is Immortal Hulk number two. But before I get there, Tucker, you mentioned Wolverine the Long Night. That podcast is available from Stitcher Premium. You can go check that out at wolverinepodcast.com. Go to Stitcher Premium. Check out the whole first season. It's super cool. But Immortal Hulk number two is one of my picks of the week. It is so dang good. It's two in a row for this book mm-hmm. and me. We're in a love affair. That's how it works. I pick it twice. Oh, so nice. It is written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett with Roy Jose and Paul Mounts. Letters by Corey Petit and Travis Lanham. And one of my absolute favorite covers, I'm going to say this every time an issue comes out, I'm pretty sure, absolute favorite covers by Alex Ross because he is just doing wild, amazing things here. He's just tremendous. We're in for a, this is a big treat for every Marvel reader as we get two incredible Alex Ross covers. Yeah. it's This it, one and Captain America number one. It's bonkers. So yeah, good. So good. Yeah, I, I take that one for granted almost because I've seen seen it so many times. Yeah. We won't get into too much of this here unless you have anything you want to say, Tucker, but there's a little bit of Twilight Zone, a little bit of Hulk TV show slash like The Fugitive, some X-Files, but all of it is rooted in, in The Incredible Hulk so much. No, the only thing that I would like to mention is that there is a really, really wonderful article on Marvel com right now about immortal hulk number three which will be coming out very soon uh did you write this article i did yeah you did but that's not why it's good no no that is (laughs) uh al ewing is just a brilliant guy he gives a great interview so he talks about what he was looking to do with that issue and it's really cool because 
he teams up with five different artists to tell that story. Joe Bennett tells the kind of framing story. And then as we dive into these different characters, different perspectives on an encounter with the Hulk, they're drawn in different styles. Go jump in on Marvel.com. Check it out. It's a really, really fascinating prelude to what will be an awesome, awesome issue. I can't wait. But next up right now is Infinity Countdown Champions number two which is written by Jim Zub with art by Emilio Laiso, colors by Andy Troy and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is, it kind of makes perfect sense. And, and I really love the very intuitive take that Jim has jumped into the Infinity Countdown story with because out of all the champions who would be most likely to kind of introduce us into this larger story, of course, it's Nova Sam Champion, perhaps the most cosmically minded of the champions at the moment. It's also so cool to see Snowgarden here, the newest champion. Happy belated Canada Day to all of our favorite Canucks. When was North- that? That was this past Sunday. And July 1st? Uh, yes. Wow. Congratulations, <laughs> Canada. Uh, I Another article that is that I did, but that <laughs> is, is... also tremendous. <laughs> sort of Webby Award winning, one would say. Uh, it, it is a, a, like a real quick rundown of the great Canadian heroes of the Marvel Universe. And Snowguard is in there because I love Snowguard and I love uh, the intro that we've gotten with her on the main champion series. And I'm so excited to see where she continues with this group here. But this is a really, really interesting take on Infinity Countdown told kind of from the point of view of Sam Alexander. It is narrated a bit by him, but just when, you know, the team thinks they're doing great, just when they take down a pretty formidable enemy, one dude shows up and he's the man on the cover. It is Thanos. Finally, he is getting involved in bigger and bigger ways across Infinity Countdown, and he pretty much tears the team down and sends them all the way to to zero. I mean, they're going to have to really work hard to fight their way back up from where they're left with this story. But I really enjoy Jim's take on how these different characters interact, how Thanos handles them in a really unique way. And yeah, I think it's another great entry to the larger Infinity Countdown story. Yeah, all that you said, and there's the moment with Thanos where it's so terrifying. There's this panel where Thanos takes down a member of the champions, and it happens at the bottom right of a page turn. It's one of the really effective comic book storytelling things because it's this huge cliffhanger moment, and you have to turn to see what happens. It's really effective in a comic, and it. I when I saw the moment, I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not know what was coming. It was really, really good. Spectacular stuff. Also, here is another... Of my picks of the week, it is Marvel Rising Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, number one. You're like, why is this one one of your picks? Because it's like we're getting extra issues of Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel this week. Because it is written by Ryan North and G. Willow Wilson with Devin Grayson. Art by Irene Strakowski and Ramon Box. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by Clayton Cowles. It's two. It's a double-sized issue. The first half is your unbeatable squirrel girl type of issue. The back half is your Ms. Marvel issue. And it comes with all the the stuff that you want from both of those books. I'll talk about them more on This Week in Marvel. But this does have one of my favorite panels. It's Ms. Marvel spinning squirrel girl around like Ebola in order to throw her at a giant robot while squirrel girl yells, this is what heroism looks like. (laughs) Tremendous. Tremendous. 
you know, in Marvel Rising, Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel, they're fighting this sort of video game themed supervillain. And I know I know a couple people who work in video games or work with a lot of our great partners. And, and I see how many people they have to hire and how many people they have to staff up when they're doing, you know, an amazing big video game. And thanks to our advertisers this week, ZipRecruiter, they have a resource. With ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over 100 of the web's best and leading job boards, and they don't stop there. They use powerful matching technology to scan these thousands and thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. Not just any job, to your job. They tailor it for you. It's, it's wild. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That result you know, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners could try ZipRecruiter for free at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash list. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash list, L-I-S-T, ZipRecruiter.com slash list. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Another really wonderful team-up book that probably couldn't be any more different from Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel is Spider-Man versus Deadpool. This is issue number 35, written by Robbie Thompson with art by Matt Horak, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Joe Sabino. This is a really cool little arc that we're on right now because Robbie and the team have introduced the future old man versions of Wade and Peter and seeing them deal with their past and deal with their uncertain futures as well as current present day Peter and Wade seeing them deal with the same thing the past the future and themselves interacting with themselves is really really f just so fun I mean this is just like if you have a sweet tooth for these kind of characters this is just going to like give you cavities for days because it is so much jam-packed into one we have like I said Old man Peter, old man Wade, and we also have regular present day Peter, present day Wade, and they team up with each other all together, mixing it all up. It is so much fun. Robbie does that insane task with some of the most idiosyncratic and specific characters in the Marvel Universe. Teaming them up with themselves is a huge, huge task, and he pulls it off wonderfully. It's a really interesting exploration of the past and the future generally, not just in the form of these characters and their future selves, but specifically with Peter Parker and his parents and what their past was and what it means for Peter in the present and how it impacts him now. It's all very tied in perfectly thematically. With a story like this, with two of the funniest characters in the Marvel Universe, you, you know, it is so cool to also get something that can be so meaningful and, and really interesting kind of philosophical exploration of these concepts. And I think Robbie and the team pulled off wonderfully. Yeah. You were talking about the team ups there. The, when the pools have their team up has one of my favorite two page sequences where it's them doing friend things together. So the two Deadpools, the old one and the, the present day one, they're on a roller coaster together. They're at the movies. They're braiding beard hair. They're bowling. It's cute and sweet and funny with bits of sadness. It's kind of perfect for a Spidey and Deadpool book. And I would say keep an eye out for the page in which the Deadpools are handing out flyers because that is where you can find writer Robbie Thompson on the page wearing a some sort of, I think it's a hat with a D on it, yeah. a Detroit... Tigers, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Robbie's from Detroit. He likes everybody to know. Yeah. <laughs> I love Robbie. He's he's just the best. 
We also have a digital book out this week, Spidey, School's Out, number three. It is written by John Barber with art by Todd Nock and Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by Jimmy Betancourt. The series, it really does scratch that itch of Spidey in high school juggling superheroing and secret identity ding It's good, right? That was the word. Yes. Yeah. Very Peter Parker moments like him getting into a fight with Black Panther and then realized that he was being the dingus, not Black <laughs> Panther, or standing on the side of a building and eating a hot dog. It's just fun as heck. Not fun so much, but tremendously yeah. great oh, yeah. is Star Wars number 50. Holy moly, what an issue. So we've been following the sort of the story of Show to Run for years now. You know, it started in, in Darth Vader and it's carried over into Kieran's run on on Star Wars. And I would love to see that adapted to a movie or a game or a TV show or something. It's this political and emotional drama, and it really hits a fever pitch in this issue. It was written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru Fex. Kieran has written so many great Darth Vader bits over, over the last couple of years. It's Darth Vader, especially as like the unstoppable Vader in that Darth Vader series. His Vader here is terrifying, though, and in a sinister, quiet calculating way not so much a like with a lightsaber out walking through and just destroying everyone way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different kind of scary almost scarier in some ways yeah and what he does in this is it's it's intense no less effective it's just it's just different salva's art on the two-page spreads all the art here but especially there's this two-page spread of this big moment in the book when vader's plans start to really coalesce and come together it is tremendous there's just, just destruction and the reactions to it it's really it's especially the eyes the way salva draws eyes and emotion conveyed through eyes when no one's saying anything is really really well done and camo giuseppe camicoli does that as well he is the artist there's a backup story in this telling us how and why all these big things went down this issue and it is devastating tremendous issue big mammoth like deserving of this 50th anniversary issue spectacular. And of course, this drop-dead gorgeous, gorgeous cover by Travis Sherry. Like, mm -hmm. we've seen it in the ads, but, you know, like looking at it as the, the cover for the book, oh, man. Yeah, so, so, so good. Going maybe something like 29 years into the future, um, maybe a little more than that, something around three decades forward, we explore the events of Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is part four of episode eight. It's written by Gary Whitta with art by Michael Walsh, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by Travis Lanham. This series, I saw on Twitter, got a real nice shout out from Star Wars The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson, uh, who had some really, really nice things to say about Gary and Michael's work and about not just how they're retelling The Last Jedi, but how they're adding to it and how they're adding different elements and different dialogue moments and focusing in on a very slightly different angle, but adding some really big emotional punches to it. This story continues doing that, what it's done so, so, so well so far, and takes us from Ray's confrontation with Luke on Octo through Yoda and Luke's conversation in front of the magic tree. Interesting moment if you let me get on my pedestal for a second i'm gonna put Stand on up. i'm gonna put on my stormtrooper helmet we're gonna talk like this and stormtrooper helmet on now you gotta take yeah. off your captain america jumpsuit first because you can't clash like uh, that way too overheated yeah. in that but it's really cool in the empire strikes back 
when Luke is training with Yoda, he goes, you know, when he has the kind of force vision where he decapitates Vader, finds out the helmet explodes, it's his own face inside there. Freaked me the heck out when oh, I was yeah. a child. Yeah. <laughs> so badly. Same. Interesting, if you look at the soundtrack for that, John Williams, for that moment, John Williams named that weird little force journey, he called it the journey into the magic tree. And I found that to be a very pointed and unique little parallel that takes place when, of course, Yoda resurfaces in The Last Jedi to explore what this tree, this magic tree, this force-centric tree on this island means and its contents and everything like that. Anyway, we see some really wonderful action in this issue uh, with Poe and Admiral Holdo, and we go straight up to the moment before, one of my favorite moments ever, ever, ever in a Star Wars movie, when Rey and Ben Solo are stood before uh, uh, Snoke, and I cannot wait to see how uh, this creative team tackles what's to come. That cover by Raza is so good. So good. He always crushes, and this one is no exception. Yeah. Um, shout out to Kind of Funny Games Daily, a uh, podcast that writer Gary Witta co-hosts once in a while because he's a former games journalist. He talks about comics a little bit on there, but talks about video games, and he's great. He's very British. And it's, <laughs> it's wonderful to hear him um, out there doing his, his good stuff with our friend uh, uh, Greg Miller. Over there. Uh, nice. Almost done with the books this week. We've got Weapon X number 20. I read this issue right after watching a bunch of episodes of Agretzko. You know the show that's about the Sanrio character, the little red panda that loves death metal? I watched a bunch of episodes of that right before reading this, and it fits so well. Ricardo Lopez Ortiz is the artist here, and, and his art style... It's like manga mixed with graffiti, mixed with this cartoon-style art that explodes off the page. It is written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti with colors by Frank D'Armada and letters by Joe Caramagna. And, oh, man, the art is so – it's so exciting and, and like, vibrant. It mm-hmm. just – yeah, again, it pops. There are a few shots of Warpath rocketing to the action that are just righteous. There's one where you could, like, see the, like – his face flying through the air and the wind like blowing his skin back. It's so good. You can feel that speed and that energy. Uh, this book is just straight bonkers. Omega Red has a pet baby tiger that he plays with. And Domino calls hooking up with Warpath, quote, playing Smash Mouth. And the Winter Guard, a.k.a. Russia's answer to the Avengers that has a talking bear, giant talking strong bear. They're here. It is a fantastic comic. I don't know if you're not reading it, who you are and what you're doing with your life because it is fantastic. Weapon X, now Weapon X, dash, men, X, men, gold, number 31. Did you... Are you okay? Magic. What's happening? Uh, <laughs> this is Prestige Dark Part 1. It's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Perry Perez, colors by J. David Ramos and Matt Mila, and letters by Joe Caramagna. We do not waste any time moping around. We don't waste any time just ruminating and you know having, I don't know, post-wedding brunch or whatever it might be. Huge issue number 30 of X-Men Gold, but... The team has no time for any of that because some wild stuff pretty much right off the bat starts happening with prestige. Rachel Gray runs into a an old foe and, well, it runs into an, an extremely uh, metaphorical an way. Yes. And it's really, really cool. I love any 
uh, X-Men story that goes on a journey into the mind. And that's exactly what this is. But of course, we do deal a little bit with the fallout of the wedding that was not to be as there's some super heartbreaking and super, super difficult moments between Colossus and Kitty. And and I say Kitty for a reason. Ouch. Ouch, big time. And not Katya. But it is a, a really nice balance between uh, dealing with the aftermath of that and just rocketing us forward into a brand new, super, really different take on, I feel like, what we've seen recently in X-Men Gold uh, and a different threat with that as well. Yeah, I was not expecting where this issue was going, and it's real good. I don't want to spoil anything for it, but again, it's another favorite cover of the week. This one by Phil Noto. Heartbreaking is 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 real. Mm-hmm. I told Lorraine Sink, uh, host of Earth's Mightiest Show, about the events of X-Men number 30. And she damn near jumped out of her shoes because uh, <laughs> she's, she's super busy. She didn't get a chance to read it yet, and I spoiled it all for her. And uh, that's that. We also have two True Believers issues this week, Fantastic Four, The Coming of Galactus, number one, and Fantastic Four, The Wedding of Reed and Sue, number one. Each of those will run you one crisp American dollar. Ooh, collections on sale this week include... Avengers by Jonathan Hickman, Omnibus Volume 2 and Hardcover, Doctor Strange, Damnation Complete Collection, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Omnibus Volume 2 and Hardcover, Generations, Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Art of the Movie in Hardcover. That's going to be really, really interesting to read through. Punisher, Shadow Masters, Rogue and Gambit, Ring of Fire, Spider-Man, Miles Morales Volume 4 and Star Wars Volume 3 in Hardcover. Yes. On the digital front on the Marvel app, they have these uh, Shadow Master stories, these Punisher stories. Shadow Masters 1 through 4 and Punisher 24 through 25. I've never, like I was flipping through the collection. I was like, what is this? This is wild stuff. Definitely worth checking out if you've never seen it. It's Punisher allying himself with uh, just a, a cool group that feels like it should have been a cartoon in the 80s. Mm. Uh, like there's there's some some meat on them bones. Uh, <laughs> but digital collections include uh, the books you talked about, Tucker. Plus there's an Impossible Man collection added, which is great. He's from the planet Popham. He does crazy things. He turns into things. He's such a weird character. I love him a lot. On Marvel Unlimited, uh, we do get to see some Black Goliath issues added to the service. There's Jessica Jones is added in there this week. Night Mask, the 12 issues of the New Universe book in there for all of you who have been clamoring for it. And I know I, I hear you. You're out there. You're like, where's our Night Mask? We added it. Calm down. It's <laughs> happening. And tons more. You can find the full list on marvel.com in the news story as well as we'll make sure there are links in the show notes and that about wraps it up for us tucker you are sweating buckets oh man the the red white and blue is just pouring out of you yeah i have my face paint is dripping it's really disgusting yeah we gotta go because we gotta clean up where we record uh because i i don't feel like it's safe with all your sweat (laughs) on the floor and the paint sweat and paint sweat and paint that's tucker for you We'll be back next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.